I want to go into the word this morning. And I want to dovetail this message with the two previous messages on being a volunteer and acceleration. I want to urge you guys to listen to those messages. To volunteer. Your people shall be willing in the day of your power. And how the plowman will overtake the reaper. You can download these messages for free. And so this I want to connect with those two messages. And entitle this message, Witness. Acts 1 verse 4 and 5. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The baptism of John was a baptism of repentance. And the word baptism is the word baptizo. And it means to submerge and to emerge to clean. You submerge it or you emerge something to cleanse it. And so when Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River, that baptism was not a baptism of repentance. But it was a baptism of preparation. It was a baptism to cleanse the lamb to be offered. So when the lamb stood before Pilate and Pilate inspected the lamb because that's what the high priest would do in those days. They would inspect the lamb before it was going to be offered up upon the altar, before his, his blood was going to be spilled. Inspect it to see if there's any spot or blemish on it. When there's no spot or blemish on the lamb, the high priest will proclaim, clean, no spot, no blemish. And this lamb would be ready to be sacrificed. And once he pro pronounced the lamb clean, the people would praise the Lord. Because there would now be an opportunity for their sins to be forgiven. And to be washed away for another year. It's the Lamb of Atonement. That is why John had to declare, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so the next day, when Jesus came to be washed as the Lamb, so that the day will come where Pilate will inspect the Lamb, and Pilate will say, The Lamb has been washed. I find no fault in him. And it was just amazing that when Jesus came to be washed by John, that John said, uh, John was still thinking about the baptism of repentance. He says, you come to me to be baptized. I need to be baptized by you. But Jesus said to him, don't you understand? You have just declared apostolic words yesterday. You have just sung songs, prophetic songs. But today has now come and you have forgotten what has come out of your mouth. And so John said, Jesus said to him, let it be so, so that we might fulfill all righteousness. Jesus says to John, we are fulfilling the law. We are fulfilling the requirement of the law. 
after this lamb, there will never be another lamb that must be slain. And so when, when we think about baptism, when we go into the water of baptism, when you are being baptized, you are being baptized to be cleansed, to be sacrificed. You become a sacrifice unto the Lord. Amen? And some of you that has not been baptized yet, we are, we are just looking for a day in the next month or so where we will baptize you again. What does this baptism of repentance speaks about? It speaks about how you have become a new creature. Listen to what the Bible says here in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So when we put you in the water, symbolically we are putting you in Christ. Although you've confessed with your mouth, although you said, I declare you as Lord and Savior, I give you my heart, Lord Jesus. Come and live in me and make me a new person. The eternal sign must be lifted up by us putting you in him in the water because the bible speaks of him as the word of god and also as the water of the word in the beginning the bible speaks about how the spirit of god hovered over the waters there was no water yet when the scripture speaks about the spirit of God hovering over the water. There was no material water. But the spirit of God that hovered over that waters was how God hovered. The spirit of God hovered over Christ. The son of God. And symbolically when we put you in the water, we put you in Christ. And the whole heavens... Every invisible being now recognize your status as a son of God. As one that has turned from his old ways. Baptism is not just a religious thing that we do. But it is an eternal sign that the, the child of God has now come into his rightful status. As being the son of God in the earth. Amen. That's why it is called a conversion. A conversion takes place. Guys that works on mechanical things, guys that works on cars, they will know what a conversion is. You convert the thing so that it can be better, can be faster. And so our lives must be converted. Your life must be converted from just a mere mortal man to where you become a son of God with a divine inheritance. Where you know that if God is on your side, things are going to be okay. I realize that there are people in church that has never underwent a conversion. They know how to pray. Some can pray in tongues. They know what to do, how to preach. But they have never been converted. They have never repented of their sins. They've never repented of their ways. Of their way of doing things. They love the church more than they love the Lord. And it is something that we must check in our own lives. Scripture says, work out your own salvation 
with fear and trembling to see whether you are still in the faith. Sometimes I look at people and I say, in my heart, are you saved? Have you repented of your sins? Do you know in your heart that you are saved? It's because their works shows us something else. It's because the way they act, the way they do things shows us something else. They operate just like the world. When we speak about baptism, there are actually four baptisms. It's the baptism of repentance, which is the baptism in water. And then there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the baptism of power. That baptism makes you a witness. And I want to speak about that today. Gives you boldness to witness. Then number three is the baptism by the Holy Spirit. The way you distinguish the two is one is the baptism of and the other is the baptism by. The Holy Spirit puts you by the side of another. He puts you next to someone that is uniquely different than you. So that Christ might form his body. So the Lord baptizes you in the body of Christ. It is a baptism by the Holy Spirit. And some people have gone just to the first baptism. The baptism of water. The baptism of repentance. But not baptized of the Holy Spirit. Where you are bold and powerful. Others never are never baptized in the body. They are not part of the body of Christ. Part of the body of Christ is not coming to church. It's where you allow the Spirit of God to intertwine you with other people. Hearts are intertwined. Fellowship takes place. You visit people. It's simple things but deep things. Baptized by the Spirit of God next to another. Another different than you. It's one thing to say I'm baptized next to my wife, my family, my extended family. It's people you know. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people you don't know. And it's something we must search after and ask God to do for us. I realize, saints, that it is not what the church have. It is not the charisma of the pastor. It's not the genes of the pastor. It's not the eloquence of the pastor that causes a church to grow, expand, that causes blessing to come upon the people. It's not that. Everything has to do with what the Spirit of God allows and what God gives. And God will give certain things depending upon the hearts of the people. If the people want it deeply within their hearts, God will give that to them. There is a parable that Jesus uh, relates about how the farmer uh, went to go and sow seed. And he went to sleep, not knowing how the seed will grow. When he wakes up the next day, the seed has grown with thorns and weed. But the emphasis there is that the farmer does not know. And so it is with us when we sow seed. We don't know what will happen to that seed. 
The Apostle Paul says, I have planted, Apollos have watered, but God brought the increase. And so our hearts must be such that we must desire for God to bring the increase in our lives. And the last, the fourth type of baptism is the baptism of fire. And this is where John the Baptist said, There is one coming after me that is mightier than me, of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The baptism of fire is not a baptism of passion. It's not a baptism of zeal. The baptism of fire is not where you say the fire of God was in that place. Of all the baptisms, it is one that you must not desire. The other three you must desire. The baptism of fire, you leave it up to the Lord to do when He sees you fit to handle it. Because the baptism of fire speaks about trial. Fire is a purifying agent. And God wants the gold to be purified. God wants the silver to be purified. And He'll keep that gold and silver under the fire. And He'll put you under trial. The trial that God will put you under, you have to know and understand that you are able to bear it. And that you will come out as gold on the other side. John 16 verse 33 these things have I spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. Now, this is the key here. In the world, you will have tribulation. But in me, you won't have tribulation. It means when you make the world your standard, when you make the world the place you go to when you are in trouble, when you make the world your place of comfort, there you will have tribulation. But you don't have to go through tribulation if you are in me. When I am your stronghold, when I am your shield, when I am your buckler, the tribulation that you will go through will seem like nothing when you are in me. Then he goes further to say, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So, Lord, if you have overcome the world, I want to be on your side. I want to be in you. I want to go where you go. I want to do what you do. Then I will also overcome the world and its tribulation and its trials. James 1 verse 2 to 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So it is a joyous occasion when trials come your way. And he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Say complete. Say perfect. Those words are basically the same. And it speaks about maturity. If you are going through trials all your life, then it means that God thinks that you are not mature yet. You are struggling in your process of maturity. It is a sure sign that you must yield to the process of God. Maturity can come in different areas of your life. 
Maturity can come in that three different phases of your soul, your will, your mind, and your emotions. But when you see that man, it's been how many months, how many years, that the same old thing just, it's like I'm going through cycles all over and over again. I'm saying that the cycle that you are in is something that you must now stop, saints of God. If the cycles of losing jobs, losing money, then you must know what is the antidote for this virus. The antidote is give the money away, sow the money. If you have cycles with health issues, what is the antidote? Eat right. Leave the junk. Start working out. Amen? If there's cycles with emotional instabilities, now you must start looking at what are those doors that I left open and go back then and close it. These various trials comes to test our faith so that you might be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Some of you must cut off certain things in your life. I'm talking about cutting it off, cutting it out. Some of those things condemns you. Some of those things keeps you back. It's the most beautiful friend, but they don't want you to go forward in life. You have the best of times, but the best of times is the worst of times. Because there's no eternal value added to it. No, some relationship saints, you, how long has it been? Five years, ten years? But it's still bringing you trouble. Cut it off and move on. We are trying to fix things for 10 years. We are trying to fix things forever and a day. Where God wants to relieve us and release us from those things. Amen. I'm still in Acts chapter 1. So now I'm reading verse 6 to 8. Therefore when they had come together, they asked him, they asked the Lord, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They were looking for a mighty political leader, a military leader that doesn't take nonsense, like Trump. They were looking for someone like Trump that can give us Israel, give us Jerusalem, come and bring that peace deal, the peace deal of the millennium. They were looking for this type of conquering king. But Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Here Jesus speaks about a future event. But that day will come. The thing that Israel wants, the thing that you want, you will get it. Do you know that you can desire something that's forbidden? You can be after that thing so much, so deeply. You might know that this thing is not right. But God will step out of your way if you are determined to have it. And God will say to you, have your own way. God will not stand in your way of getting what you want. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the season which the Father has put in his own authority. Here's the message for today. But you shall receive power 
When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, look at this. You are baptized in the water. You are put in Christ. That's the first baptism. The second baptism is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Where you are in Christ, but the Spirit of God comes upon you. It's the picture of how the, the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. A dove is something that's it's an animal that's easily spooked, easily scared. Just a quick, wrong, sudden move and he flies away. And this is how the Spirit of God is in our lives. We can spook him. We can scare him away with the things we say, with the stuff we look at, with the things we do. We scare him away because he is that gentle person. Sometimes we don't think, we just speak rashly. We just do things in the secret. We go behind that corner and we think no one sees us. And we do our, our silly things. And God will leave you in that, in that dark dungeon that you place yourself in. Until you will come out and say, Lord, here am I. I am willing to let go of all these things. You see, you cannot be anointed with power when you still are doing those things there in that corner. God wants you to come out of your mess. God wants you to come out of your sin. God wants you to come out of those things that hold you back, saints of God. Amen? God loves us. God wants to cleanse us that we might become a sacrifice. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. There's a child that's crying because I said you must leave your sin. child says, never. I'm going to go to another church. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The word witness is the word martyr. In Greek, it's the word martus. And Jesus is not saying to them, Power will come upon you and you will die. No, he's telling them something different. He's giving them a legal injunction. And he's saying to them that you will be the jury. The 12 of you will stand at that day. You will be my witnesses. You will come and testify for me. When I'm brought before their tribunals, the religious leaders... When they, when they bring me before their courts to judge me, you will stand up. And you will stand as one. And there he proclaimed what the scriptures has said about Jesus, about the Christ, and how after three days God will raise him up again. And so these 12 disciples, these 12 apostles, they ratified legally the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because there were 12 people. In the olden days, they used 12 people to form a jury. When there was a case at law, it had to be 12 people. Over the years, it has changed to 6, to 4, 
1822, but initially there were 12 people that constituted the jury. And so they would give a verdict concerning the truth. When you are a witness for the Lord, you have to give a verdict concerning the truth. You cannot be in the jury and say nothing. You cannot be part of the jury and don't know which side you fall on. You have to say guilty or not guilty. And so there had to be 12 disciples because 12 is a perfect number. It speaks of perfection of government. And so when they testified of him, they said, we are the government. You are the government of the day, but we are the true government, the true witness. And so these witnesses became the law. I want you to realize something about how when the Spirit of God baptizes you, that you become the law in the lives of people that are destitute and hungry and thirsty. You come then, you proclaim deliverance to the captives. You pro proclaim sight to the blind. You proclaim healing to sick bodies. The acceptable, you, you come and you declare a new law in their lives. Because Jesus said, whosoever sin you forgive will be forgiven. You have to recognize the power of God upon your life, saints. You have to recognize that God has called you to make a difference where you live, where you work, where you walk, and to bring down the law of the Lord. Hallelujah. And so these disciples, they brought the law of grace, if you can use the two words together. They are juxtaposed, but they, they speak of something greater than the law of Moses. When you become a witness, you act in legal matters. When angels fight, when we pray and angels fight, you know, we have the, the picture of Daniel and how Gabriel is sent with a message from God concerning the end times. But there's a war in heaven. But the war that the angelic beings undertake is not a war of physical strength. It is a war of argument. It is a war of jurisprudence, of dialogue. It is a war of words. It is the interpretation of words. It's like they are standing in a court of law. And when you come as the witness, you give the angels legal right to bring victory on your behalf. Come on, say amen. 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 And so angels works with us saints. But you as a witness, your testimony must be sure. You have heard this morning how we witness. You just bear your testimony. I'm the witness, but I bring a testimony. What is your testimony? I once was blind, but now I see. I don't know how it happened, but one day I called on the name of the Lord and here I am. I believe and I'm praying and I'm saying, Lord, release the spirit of the witness amongst us. Release the boldness amongst your people. Release your people to be like firebrands out there. Pioneers, unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that gospel is the power of God unto salvation. 
You have legal authority now. It's not your own authority, but it's legal authority. Your status in the invisible world is protected by heaven's law. You are therefore sanctioned to act on heaven's behalf. I want to challenge you to act on heaven's behalf this week. To do something that you have not done on the behalf of heaven. Amen? Cyclone says, yes, going to do that. These invisible angelic hosts will recognize and acknowledge your status. You are now an ambassador of Christ, saints of God. Don't wait for 40-day fasts. Don't wait till you become powerful, till you feel holy. All of this has to do with your faith in Him. John 20, verse 21. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. There are two words here. Apostello and Pempo. Both are the English words sent. Apostello is you are sent with governing authority. You are sent to structures. You are sent to authorities. You are sent to lawmakers. But Jesus says, I don't send you like that. There are others that I send like that. Because the warfare there is too great for you just to go there. That's why I tell people, don't go and challenge principalities. If you are not sent to challenge principalities. But God has pimpled you. It's a general way of sending you to people. And so if you want to break down principalities, you, you are sent to people. Because there the warfare is not that great. Hallelujah. Luke 10 verse 1. I'm going to read a few scriptures here. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two by two. First he says, as the Father sent me, he says, I have authority to send you. Now he says, the Lord appointed 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whether he himself would also come. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. This harvest speaks here not about the multitudes, but it speaks about a remnant that is ready. It speaks about that one person in that family that is ready. It says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. You see the, the word sent is coming out all the time. It's coming out all the time. Saints, when we are sent on a mission, we have to do certain things quickly, swiftly. Even Jesus said, behold, I come quickly. Not soon. Because when you say I come soon, it means that you don't know when you are coming. It's like some of you, where are you? Man, I'm around the corner. What corner? The corner in Senton, in Pretoria, in Karankua. I'm around the corner. And then they say, I'll be there soon. Soon, there's no time frame with soon. But swiftly, you know, it's a quick thing. We must do certain things quickly. Quickly. Then he said to them, go your ways. Behold, I send you as lambs among wolves. You don't fit in. You don't blend in. You are the humble one. 
Just like God came in the flesh. You are the humble one, but the power in you is much greater than they that are of the world. Because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Listen to what he says to them. Carry neither purse, nor script, nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. It means don't do things on your own strength. Know that the Lord will do whatever mission you are on. We want to set you on a mission to win souls for the Lord. We want to set you on a mission to pray for the sick, to declare the word of the Lord. Whether the seed will grow tomorrow with thorns or whether it will grow without thorns, you have sown the seed. You, we must not be the ones that cause the seed to grow. God will cause the seed to grow. Carry no purse, no script. I like this one. No script. You don't prophesy with the script. When you prophesy, it is spontaneous. You allow the Lord to speak to you in that moment, in that instant. There is that open, open communication. Open door. And into whatsoever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. Prepare yourself to the one that you are going to. First say peace. Means you are prepared when you go. He says, carry no script, but be prepared. Have something in your mind. Know what you are going to say. Have a, have a theme, have a thought. First say peace to this house. And if the son of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. Upon what? What is it? Upon the house, upon the family. The son of peace is the one that is earmarked. The one that God will use to turn the whole family back to him. And you know those, those people, saints. Those are the, it's like they are magnetic. They are charismatic. They are filled with, with something electrifying. It's those type of people. They might not be the eldest in the house or the youngest they might be those, but when you come into that house, you will see there's one that stands out. The one that stands out is the son of peace. That's the one you go after. And they will, they will be resistant at first. But if you keep on going there, listen to what he says further. He says, and in the same house remain. Why must you remain? Because things won't change just like that. Stay there. Keep on going there. Remain. Eating and drinking. I know you like this. Eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Then he says, go not from house to house. You don't go to the next house until you have found the son of peace. Later on he says, if they do not receive you, Wipe, your, wipe the dust from your feet because there are those that will not receive you. But wipe them from your feet. It will be a testimony against them in the day of judgment. He says, it would have been better for Sodom and Gomorrah if they have received you than for them. So the people that don't receive you, just make like that. Say, God bless you. Then you go. Just like baptism is a signal. You wiping your feet is a signal. They did not want to hear. Hallelujah. 
I'm drawing to a close. Deuteronomy 19 verse 15. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Something that's occurring here in these three scriptures is two or three. Two or three. And so the Lord sent them out two by two. Matthew 18 verse 19 and 20. Again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Very deep scriptures. And I don't want to go too deep into them. But today, I want you to make up your mind. Who's going to be your two and three? Who are those people that's going to stand with you as you are sent by the Lord? Some of you, you must create partnerships, alliances of witnessing, of doing missionary work, of becoming the testimony of the Lord. One Saturday morning, you must go and pick up your friend and say, we are going out. Let's go to so-and-so. I've made an appointment. And then you go. Go and pick up your brother. Pick up your sister. And say, let's just go for 30 minutes. And we're just going to pray for someone. Amen? Amen. This is the message that I'm bringing to you. It's to activate your faith, saints of God. Once a week, get together with your partner. Get together with your sister. Get together with your brother. And go to the other brother. Go especially to the rebellious brother. I'll pick up Brents and say, Brents, we are going to meet Leon. We're just going to there to go and pray for him. When we get there, Leon, we knock on the door. Hi, I'm well and you. Okay, come in. Leon, we are just here to pray for you. We are not here to talk a lot of things about the soccer. We are just here to pray for you. Is it okay if we pray for you? Yes, pray for me. There you pray for the man. And as you pray for him, the Lord gives you words. The other one recognizes and takes note of the words that the one is praying. After the one has prayed, then you tell him you, you, you have a need for the Lord Jesus Christ. You need the Lord to come into your life. You need him to make you a believer. You cannot go through life just like this. The Bible says, Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many are there that find it, but narrow. Then you say to them, we have brought the narrow road to you. We are here to support you. You see how simple it is, saints? And you ask him, we want to present to you the Lord Jesus. Do you want to receive him? I want to receive the Lord. Say after me, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Make me a new creature. Wash me with the blood of Jesus that I might be saved. Amen. There you are saved. Then you counsel him. Tell him what he must do now. Amen. Giving you practical, elementary, simple things. Because I realize that the church of the Lord has become revelation junkies. They just want revelation. But they are not active in the things of the Lord. Come on saints, get your partner. Get your two and three. Where you are gathered, there the Lord is in your midst. And you will see miraculous things. You will see powerful things happening in your hand. While you are praying for this one, someone there in the corner will scream out, Lord Jesus, have mercy upon me. 
Someone next door will say, don't you want to send them over? The, the auntie is sick here. And then you will go and pray for the auntie. Find out this week who is sick. Let them send you their numbers. Whether it's in hospital, at home. If they are sick, you're going there with executive power. You are going there with the status of the sons of God. And you are going to leave a seed there. Once they, they asked us to come and pray for a brother. The brother has been in bed for a whole week. I'm talking about not even going to the toilet. In bed a whole week. He cannot stand up. Cannot eat. When we got there, the first thing our mind tells us is this man is going to die. Looks like a paper. How thin he is on that bed. But we came in there and we had to encourage ourselves first because of how he looked. So we took out our small New Testament Bible and we read three or four healing scriptures. After that, we said to the man, this is what the word of the Lord says. We can't do anything for you, but God can do whatever he pleases. And so now we are going to lay hands on you because this is what the word says. We laid hands on him and we, we quoted the word back, the things that we just read. We quoted it back in prayer to the Lord. When we said amen, we did not pray for two minutes because we, we didn't have a lot of words then. We didn't pray for two minutes. Amen. Did God touch you? That guy said yes. We don't know if God touched him or if he just said yes because we asked him. Then we said, stand up. Grab him by the hand. We turned his, turned his body this way and we pulled him up. There the man stand on his own two feet. And he said, just excuse me. I've not been to the toilet for seven days. There he walked on his own two feet to the toilet. When he came out of the toilet, he said, he said to his mother, Mom, can you please make me some soup? I'm hungry. Young people that acted on the word of God. We just prayed and God did the rest. There are many testimonies, saints, I can give you. Of two and three men, young men, that went out to just go and pray for the sick. I'm just here to pray for the sick. Or can I go come and just bless your family? There might be no sick in there. There might be, you know, no real need. But can I just come and bless the family? When you stand in that lounge, in that kitchen. When you stand in that place. And you lift up the name of the Lord. He has promised to be in your midst. Because you go as a witness. I want to release you today as witnesses of the Lord. I want to declare that there won't be a, a week that goes by where you have not gone out and have become a witness for the Lord. You don't invite them to church. You just go and release the word of the Lord there. You just go and pray there. You just go and prophesy there. You just go and tell them what their need is to receive the Lord Jesus. Some might not, but you stay there. You will know in your heart that this one is just playing hard to get. But then you will also know in your heart that this one really does not want the Lord. And then you wipe off your feet. Amen? We must go and get people back into the kingdom. We must go and get backslidden believers back into the kingdom. 
You must not be ashamed or afraid to tell them you are backslidden. You are far from God. You need him. And God has come to show, uh, shine his light upon you today. Let's all stand this morning. The Bible says, faith without works is dead. Our faith must not be dead by just coming to church to be fed for another week and to survive another week. Our faith must not hinge on our needs, saints. Let me say that again. Your faith must not hinge on your need. Your faith must hinge on your purpose. Your purpose is that you are a son of God. Even if you have 10,000 needs, it must not hinder you from becoming a witness unto the Lord. Come on, say amen. amen. Come on, say amen. amen. Not a week will go by without you becoming witnesses. Hallelujah. There are children that need the Lord. There are children that are caught in drugs and all kinds of abuse that needs the Lord. We don't know how they will be delivered. We don't know. But God knows. We must just become the point of contact. We must become the instrument of peace. Man, and if things become too hard for you, then you call your elder brothers. You call your elder sisters and say, come and help us. We've got a problem here. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I remember this young brother. We were the elder brothers, but we were still young ourselves. And uh, he, he went out like the message he's heard today. He's, the next day he went. And when he got there, prayed for the person, then a demon manifested. That young boy said, you just wait here. I'm going to get my brothers for you. <laughs> he told the people of the house, you keep this person here. Came and he found us. We, we, we gathered together. And there we came. We walked like this. Amen. That, that demon, when he saw us, we didn't even have to say, what is your name? Came like we were on a mission. And just because we stood together, just because there was this principle of two and three, and we went, that principle cast out the demon. Amen? I want to say to you, don't be afraid of devils. You are covered by the Lord. Demons can't do you anything. They can scream and shout and roll on the ground and spit and do all kinds of things. There's nothing that they can do you. Amen? Hallelujah.